Welcome to another vital message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Tonight we're going to be talking about, uh, th this. we're continuing in our COTR Family Bible Study Series, and tonight we're going to be talking about the next generation. Now, uh, since the first of the year, we have been going through the Old Testament and looking at the matriarchs and the patriarchs of our faith and sharing how these people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joshua and like Rebecca and Sarah and, and Leah and Rachel, how these people and others, you know, Moses and others we've been looking at all this year, how they and their faith and how their connection with God and how the story and the accounts of their lives play into our Christian faith. We often, if we're not watchful, can get to the place where we feel as though that the Old Testament is just out of touch with our current reality. But it's not. God laid these stories out. He told these stories in the Old Testament so that they could reflect a reality of how he feels and how we often you know, encounter him in our life. How he could do that in the lives of the children of Israel. You know, we watched Moses go down into Egypt and deliver uh, the children of Israel from bondage in Pharaoh. We saw how even in the wilderness they had their trouble and their trauma and their tragedies and yet how God continued to help them. Basically, about um, 1,500, 1,400 years before Jesus, 1,450 years thereabouts, they entered into a period of time that we read about in the book of Judges. And for 450 years, God gave the children of Israel judges. He gave them judges to lead them and guide them and deliver them all the way up until he began to work with kings and through prophets and kings about a thousand and fifty years before Christ. And so here we are in this period of time, 450 years that the Ark of the Covenant of God, after they crossed the Jordan River, after they had spent about 25 years in, in, in you know, defeating the Canaanites and establishing their ground in different places, then the Ark of the Covenant was set up in a place called Shiloh. It's just about 30 to 40 miles north of Jerusalem, and it's on a very nice hill. The Ark of the Covenant sat there for 450 years. And there were priests and, uh, that, that took care of the things of God all the way up until the time of Samuel. So here in this period of the Judges is a very interesting time. We're going to pick up here in Judges chapter 2. And we're going to look at this message in light of the next generation. This coming Sunday morning, we're going to be having a next generation Sunday. This coming Sunday morning, our next generation is going to lead our service. 
you know, we're going to have some next generation uh, um, youth. Some of them will be greeters. Some of them will be ushers. Some of them will be, uh, uh, you know, uh, singers. Some will be uh, musicians. You know, uh, uh, somebody is going to share the word, uh, you know, and uh, a, 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 a part of our word. I'll be preaching something after that, depending on whether they give me some time or not. Um, but right now I'm on the schedule to, to, uh, to bat cleanup. And so uh, why? Because our next generation needs to experience God. Our next generation needs to get their hands on, on, on the things of God. They need to get their hands on mission work. They need to get their hands on, on the church. They need to get their hands on life. It's a very important thing. I mean, how would it be if we did not allow the next generation to go to school or to learn a trade or to become, uh, you know, uh, um, a teachers? Or, uh, you know, how would it be if we did not let the next generation become electricians? How would it be if only old people and people who knew what they were doing could ever touch anything dealing with plumbing? You know, I'm sorry, but the next generation has to get their hands on it at some point. They need to be watched. They need to be coached. They need to be led. They need to be encouraged. They need to be challenged. They need to be corrected. They need to be instructed, but they've got to get their hands on. Have you uh, woke up yet to the fact that most of the people, uh, you know, if, if, if you've lived very long, most of the people that are, uh, that are now your, uh, your, your doctors and your lawyers and, and you know, uh, the, the people that are running, uh, you know, uh, the, the whatever restaurant you go to are younger than you? That's a shock the first time you look around and realize, whoa, that person is not as old as me, and they're important. <laughs> well, what have I been doing with my life? That kind of thing. Well, it's important that we let the next generation get their hands on things. It's vitally important that each generation has the opportunity to embrace the things of God, to embrace a, a personal experience with Jesus Christ, to embrace a personal responsibility for the church. To embrace a, a, a personal responsibility for Christianity and for being a light in a world that is going dark. To embrace a personal responsibility uh, because if they don't take up their responsibility, if they don't feel the weight of that calling, that responsibility, you know we are only one generation away from the extinction of Christianity, away from the extinction of the church. Only one generation is all it takes to never see a church again. One generation is all it takes for Christianity to just go by the wayside. It's important that we realize that if the church is not meaningful to us, it can easily become meaningless to the next generation. It's very important, especially as leaders, especially as parents, especially as role models, it's very important to realize that we must make the church, we must make Christianity, we must make missions work, we must make outreach, you know, uh, sharing and witnessing a very meaningful part of our lives. Because if it's not meaningful to us, it could easily become meaningless to others. And we would have no right to complain. This is the concern of God, and history has proven this. History has proven that if it's not meaningful to you, it will become meaningless to the next generation. What we tolerate today becomes the norm for tomorrow. 
this evening's text is going to come, as I said, from the Old Testament book of Judges. And, and I asked you earlier to find Judges, the second chapter. We're going to begin in verse 6 and read a few verses together while you keep this next generation in mind. Are you ready? And when Joshua had dismissed the people, the children of Israel went each to his own inheritance to possess the land. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance in timnath Harris. In the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gash. Verse 10. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. Then... The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. Now, they were not socially out of touch. They were just spiritually out of touch. Verse 12. And that same generation, they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord God Jehovah to anger. Verse 13, they forsook the Lord God Jehovah and served Baal and the Asherahs. Wow. This account chronicles the very first of many departures of the children of God from the faith of their fathers. And as I said earlier, for the next 450 years, this same failure of the Israelites would be repeated over and over and over again. There were 13 judges that God had to raise up over the next 450 years to bring deliverance and to rescue the people and to get them back on track and to reintroduce God into their life, to reintroduce how God felt, what God thought. You know, we are prone as a people with our human nature to default to human nature. And here's what human nature says. Human nature says that I'm okay, and therefore if I'm okay, everything in the world is okay. Human nature looks to self, and if it is good for me, it must be good for everyone. That's human nature. Human nature says if I'm doing good, I don't need God. If I'm doing good, I don't need the church. If I'm doing good, I don't need any, anybody else. Me, you know, us four, no more. Me, my family, that's enough. That's human nature. Human nature is to withdraw from the work of God, which is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creatures, teaching them, you know, baptizing them and teaching them to observe everything that Jesus taught his disciples to do. 
But human nature is to withdraw from that responsibility. Human nature is to not even want to walk across the street to your neighbor. But that's not God's nature. You may have realized whenever we read this that what the children of Israel experienced in that next generation, after the generation that served the Lord, after the generation that paid the price to walk out of Egypt and to take the promised land, and after that generation that had experienced that personal encounter, that personal experience with God, how manna would rain down from heaven and how God would open up the waters for them to cross, that generation, uh, when that generation died, the next generation, they were almost godless. They had a form of godliness, but they actually lived in a way that did not please God it didn't say that it didn't please them and it didn't say they weren't prosperous it didn't say that they weren't successful it didn't say they weren't happy it didn't say that they didn't have a good family it said nothing else about them with the exception of what they were doing was not what God wanted them to do they forgot that it was God that gave them everything they had and that it was God that they were supposed to be pleasing instead of pleasing themselves. Human nature is to please me. I will do what pleases me. And we default to human nature when we do not have a critical experience with God, a personal, vital experience with God that causes us to realize we were created to please him, not to please ourselves. And just because we are okay does not necessarily mean God is happy with what we're doing. I know that's kind of a tough burden to put upon people, but I didn't do it. Jesus did. He said he was giving us and leaving us and sending us the Holy Spirit to empower us to be a witness, not to empower us to get a new Cadillac. Hello. I don't mean to, um, you know, attack any doctrines here. I just want us to keep it straight. That the reality of our life is that God is extending it on planet earth so we can be a witness. Because our life is not here. It is hidden with Christ in God. This is what we believe. But just because you have had a personal experience, just because you have been blessed by God, just because you have, have uh, paid a price and you have a God encounter, does not necessarily mean your children are going to have that same experience. There's hope for them, and God will reach out to them, but it is a choice for every generation. It was not that this generation, the next generation, who came after the Joshua generation, it's not that that generation hadn't heard the stories. They knew about God. They just did not know God. They forgot. They didn't realize 
They started acting like all the people around them. They started trying to be more like the world, more like their neighbors. Isn't that human nature? Uh, Human nature is to make sure that we're like other people so they will like us. So we won't be odd, so we won't stand out, so we won't, you know, we want to be uh, more, you know, more like them. That's human nature. And this brought about such trouble on the land. And, and uh, every, every time they would forget God, then they would end up in trouble. Then they would remember God because God would send a judge. And he would say, you need to do this, you need to do that. And he would deliver them from their enemies. And he would call them to account and tell them the reason this happened is because you forgot God. And they would go, oh, sorry, God. And they would cry out to God. God would deliver them. And they would do better. And then the next generation, right down the road, boom, they would once again forget God. This happened over and over and over again. God would send someone, a judge, to deliver and restore them. And then they would serve God for a while, and the next generation would not. Uh, it's, it's so evident in the Word of God. It happened, as I said, you know, 13 times in the book of Judges, in the very same way, generation after generation, the same pattern. Forget God, act like the world around you, get in trouble, lose your joy, lose your hope, lose your peace. Remember God, repent, and God rescues you and saves you, and then you forget God, and then you, you know, boom, 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 you know. And guess what? It's still happening today. It is still happening. What causes it? Well, uh, you perhaps have heard me in the past call it second-generation faith. A second-generation faith, and that's what the Bible refers to. It talks about two generations, a generation that served God, a generation that paid a price, and the next generation that came along that kind of you know, lived in the blessings, didn't really have to make it happen, kind of inherited it, kind of inherited the peace and the joy in the home, you know? Uh, kind of inherited, you know, uh, what, what their parents really worked hard to get, you know, what their parents really struggled to find God and, and, to, and, 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 and to do it right and live it right. And then, you know, the next generation comes along and, and you know, hey, uh, they, they kind of have it easy. And I'm not against easy. That's not, God's not against easy. It's just the one thing that he told them to guard against Whenever they went into the promised land, he said, because you're going to live in houses that you didn't have to build. You're going to eat from vineyards that you did not have to plant. You're going to reap the benefits of your parents that went before you, of a generation that paid a price before you. You're going to reap some benefits. You're going to get some things that you didn't actually have to work for. Be careful, Moses said. Be careful, he was speaking for the Lord. Because whenever you live in a place where you end up having abundance and, 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 and you didn't have to work for what you got and, and joy and peace kind of was given to you, you got to be careful, he said, because you'll forget the Lord and you'll start acting like those people you're living around. It was the one thing God was concerned about, and here it's the one thing that happens in one generation. It only takes one generation. Can you believe that 
as soon as the generation died that won the promised land and won the houses and the vineyards and the cities and the towns and drove out the inhabitants and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Hittites and the Jebusites. As soon as that generation was gone, the next generation said, oh my goodness, we live in on easy street. You know, this is not the last time you're going to hear this story. It happened to David and Solomon. You know, here David worked hard to get Jerusalem and to build a house, and to build a city, and to build a kingdom. And then he handed it off to Solomon, who never had war. And when Solomon is sitting back on the easy street, even though he was the wisest man in the, you know, in the world, he was wise, but he was stupid. He ended up with 900 women in his harem. Now there's, there's a stupid move. 900 and God said, don't do that. You know, uh, God said kings should not multiply horses. If you've ever gone to Israel with me, you know we go to places where Solomon used to keep his horses. All of his horses. Why? Because it's, it's, if you're not watchful, human nature will make it all about stuff. Human nature will make it all about what I can get. It'll make it all about me. It'll all make it about what makes me happy, what pleases me. And you know what made Solomon happy? That his wives were happy. So he built you know, pagan temples and pagan altars to all of his wives. And it would make them happy that he would go and worship with them at a pagan uh, temple, at a pagan altar. And so here's Solomon, the wisest man in the world that knew better, but yet he didn't have that first generation relationship with God. He had a second generation relationship with God. And by the time it got to the third generation, by the time it got to his son Rehoboam, Rehoboam lost the whole kingdom in just a few months. God would have preserved it for him. But Rehoboam had no idea how to please God. His daddy took him to, to the temple of Jehovah in the morning. And his mama took him to, uh, you know, uh, to the, to the uh, sacrifices of children for the god Chemosh on the Mount of Olives in the afternoons. He was raised confused. If you ever thought about letting your kid choose from that, don't, don't. Okay? We'll talk about that in a moment. We need to challenge our children with the truth. We need to instruct our children. That's the reason God chose Abraham is because he knew Abraham would instruct his children. He knew that he could trust Abraham to challenge his children, instruct his children, correct his children, to teach his children, and to model, not just model godly life, but expect the weight and the responsibility of the covenant to be given to them as well. You know, uh, everyone has to choose, and every child has to choose for themselves at some point. But hopefully, they have been challenged and taught and instructed and led and guided and encouraged to the point that they know what to choose. You know, second-generation faith, it can be a problem with any next generation, but it does not have to be. The account we read from Judges, the second chapter there, uh, you know, says that the people served God all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who, who, who fought for their faith, who fought for their trust, who followed God through the fire, who had a, a, a spiritual encounter, who had a godly encounter, who didn't just think that, that, that everything they got, you know, uh, that, that, it was, uh, that they were entitled they watched 
Judges 2.10 says this, When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation, a next generation, the next generation arose after them who did not know. Did not know. They knew about God, but there's a difference. They knew about God. You know, one of my concerns as a parent early on watching my son and my daughter as they had to be in church every time the doors was open every time the doors were open my children had to be there you know they were expected to be there they were made to be there at times you know that was was tough because the last thing I wanted was for them to end up with, uh, I don't want to go. I don't want to be there. You know, uh, and I had to really struggle. Are, are, are they connected to Jesus because it's all they've ever known as they're growing up? You know, uh, I cannot tell you how many times through the years I sat down with my children from an early age all the way up, you know, uh, you know and, and uh, don't fault me if I continue to do it until I go to be with Jesus. Just to look him in the eyes and say, you know, have you made a personal decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? You know, have you asked Jesus into your heart? You know, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? You know, this is something that you need. This is something that you have to do for yourself. You can't go to heaven because Daddy knows Jesus. You know, you you can't have a second generation experience. God has no grandchildren. He only has children. Another generation. Another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. You know, constantly we need to tell our testimony to our children. Constantly we need to share what God has done for us because some of you are first generation believers in your families. Some of you are the, you were the, you, you paid the price to change your life and to come to Christ. And you know those that are following you behind you, you know, uh, gosh, uh, you make it look easy. But everyone has to find a place of submitting their life to Christ, of inviting Jesus to become their personal Lord and Savior. And they need to know the work that God has done for you. They need to know that it's a personal thing with you. It's not a professional thing. It's not just something that you go to check off a box. It's not something, you don't just witness to somebody, you know, just to check the box off. You know, uh, you witness somebody because you believe, because it changed your life. You know, yesterday a young lady ran out of gas. She was going to work. She ran out of gas going down Highway 69, and her car went on the, over on the side, and and uh, she found her way to walk into our office. You know, I don't know what she expected. Uh, she ended up getting some gas, and she ended up getting witness to. You know, before she went out the door, I, 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 walked, I said, excuse me, ma'am, but I just cannot let you leave here without first asking you about your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, my goodness, you know. <laughs> Uh, just what she expected. You know, we're going to be judgmental and critical. How do I know? That's what she told me. 
you know. She said, I stopped going to church because they did something to me and they did me wrong. And, I, and what she told me they did, yeah, they shouldn't have. Yeah. She says, so I just stopped going. And I have become an atheist. I don't believe in God. I said, well, you know you do. You know, you know I, just, I just was that nice guy that reached, let the love of God reach out to her. And, you know, and tears came to her eyes. And she'll be here Sunday morning, she says. She, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, it didn't stop there because, uh, uh, I only had one person to send to, to get some gas for her and, and, uh, uh, it was Sue Vitor and Sue was so sweet about it. Sue even paid for the gas, went up there and got some gas and, and I was, I just didn't fill her off my plate and I, and I didn't know how to get the gas in there. And I had a meeting that I couldn't get out of. Uh, and I thought, okay, I'm going to run across the road and do that real quick as soon as I see them pull back up. But wouldn't you know, uh, one of our elders, uh, uh, Luke Bourgeois, uh, came walking across the park. I said, Luke, come here, buddy. <laughs> you know, he texted me later and told me thank you. He went out there and got to witness to her and share the love of Christ with her. You know, why? Because that's what we do. If it's not real to you, if it doesn't burn in you, don't expect it to burn in anybody that you tell. If it's not real to you, don't expect it to be real in your kids. If your kids can't see you doing what God needs you to do in a moment of crisis, in a moment of trouble, a moment of trauma, a moment of hurt and disappointment, then don't ever expect them to act any different. We need to hold ourselves to an account. Because the next generation needs us. We don't want to raise a generation that, that does not know God or know how to behave in the midst of trouble and trauma and tragedy and trial and temptation. We need to raise the next generation. It's so important that we have a personal encounter with Jesus. It's so important that you have a personal encounter with Jesus. But it's so important also that you lead your children and the next generation, those you have influence over, and you influence more than just your children. But those you have influence over, that you lead them to have a personal encounter, a personal faith, a personal experience, that you challenge them. And that you make sure, because once you can get Jesus in their heart, He will do the rest. But we can't just put Jesus in their head. And we can't just tell them to be better. Because being better is not enough. Being better is not enough even for a born-again believer's child. Being better is not where it starts. It starts with inviting Jesus into your heart. It starts with inviting Jesus in, having a value for that personal encounter, a personal relationship with Jesus. Children need to be encouraged to trust Jesus they need to be encouraged to include Him in their daily lives. They need to be challenged to stretch their faith. They need to be challenged to actively participate in church. They need to be challenged to actively participate on the mission field. They need to be challenged to actively participate in witnessing. You know, it's, it's important because there's a next generation coming after the next generation. After the next generation. And for those of you that have children, they will raise your grandchildren. And they will also decide which nursing home you go to. So you want Jesus in their life. Okay. 
um, whether it's through mission work, as I said, or personal evangelism at school, or whether on social media, you know, you share with your children because there's nothing better than making sure they have invited Jesus in and that they are challenged to be more like him every time you see them come up to a difficult moment. You know, uh, and parents, I encourage you, just point your children to Jesus. Everyone needs a first-generation relationship with God. Whether your name is Solomon or whether you're Joshua's children or whether it's the next generation that we will see here on Sunday morning. Every, everyone needs a first-generation. Everyone Thanks again for joining us for another relevant word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.